everyone. Welcome back to Movies with Heart. Um, for those of you who are new, my name is Kiri. I'm the host. My friend Brett here is with us all the time, so he's here too. Hello. So today we are talking about a lovely little film called The Little Mermaid. This is going to be a very interesting discussion because I have some very strong words to say negatively and i have some very strong words to say positively really i thought this was all going to be like a fangirl like oh i love this movie because of this and 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 i was going to be like the bad news bear of like well <laughs> actually so you, literally every other disney movie we've done <laughs> yeah here's the thing with little mermaid as a feminist <laughs> <laughs> i have some Massive problems with the story. Huge. Okay. As a theater nerd, this is a beautifully crafted film. Like, this to me is a masterpiece. Okay. From a story perspective, I have all kinds of issues. So we're going to get into both of these. Yeah, I'm curious to hear both of these perspectives. Because I'm approaching this from a very analytical standpoint, and there is a lot of stuff to go over about this film from an analytical standpoint. Ooh, interesting. So. This is gonna ooh, this is gonna be a good one. <laughs> I, I, when we said we were gonna do this one, I was like, I have so much. I was talking with my dad yesterday about the the previous episode, and I was like, yeah, it's gonna be really short. Like we didn't, there wasn't much to talk about, and he was like, but you 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 know you analyze films all the time, and I was like, yeah, but there wasn't much to analyze. Yeah. In it. it was a good film. Cool. I was like, Little Mermaid, on the other hand, you guys are going to have to buckle up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Because I knew I was going to have a lot to say about it. And I just, knowing you, I was like, I'm sure Brett's going to have his stuff to say about it, too. Mm -hmm. So, um, I guess let's just dive right in. I mean, part of me is like, let's do a summary, but I'm also like, I feel like if you haven't seen Little Mermaid, you've been living under a rock. Well, I mean... Some people probably haven't seen Little Mermaid. I mean, I made the assumption that everyone had seen Groundhog Day and then come to find right. out some people had not seen Groundhog Day. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, there, some people haven't seen Little Mermaid in a long time. So the, the gist of the, the summary is there's this little mermaid <laughs> named Ariel and she's totally infatuated with humans and human life and everything on the surface world. And her dad, King Triton, is, like, against humans in any way, shape, or form. So, long story short, she ends up falling in love with a human. And dad finds out, gets real mad. King Triton loses it. So, Ariel, in her teenage hurt feelings, makes a an agreement with... What is that face you're making, Brett? Um, I was looking... I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to throw you off track. I was looking up the Little Mermaid release date because I know it was 89, but I was seeing when in 89 because I vaguely remember going to see this movie in theaters when I was mm -hmm. eight, eight years old. I was a young, young little lad. And I remember doing it around Christmas time. And so I was just looking to see when it actually released. Okay, November. So that's yeah, right. That's Christmas right. Christmas time. Okay. Um, anyway, where was I in the synopsis? Oh, yeah. So Little Mermaid. So Ariel's very upset. She makes an agreement with um, the sea witch where she has three days to get this human prince to fall in love with her and kiss her. Or, you know, she basically is like selling her soul to the sea witch. Mm. So that all happens. Um, 
you know, there's lots of ups and downs. Long story short. Uh, did you say sell, sell her soul to the sea witch? I mean, that's kind of what happened. She basically says if she can't do it. I mean, Ursula says you belong to me. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give if that. If she I'm, can't I mean, do it. I mean, I'll give that to you. Yeah. 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 I'll give that to you. Okay. She's turned, she turns into like this weird withered brown thing. Seaweed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, is it? Are they supposed it's, to be it's seaweed? seaweed? It's seaweed. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes so much sense. Because <laughs> she talks about it being her little garden. Her it's garden. her little garden of seaweed. Well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Why? Because now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, of course it's seaweed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I can understand why a lot of people wouldn't really get that. They're like, okay, yeah, the little withered brown creatures and stuff like that. Like what? Yeah, what I was like, hell? oh, they're like ugly little monsters. No, they're seaweed. Yeah, it's seaweed. <laughs> and let me just tell you, from like a child standpoint, how frightening that is like oh, imagine yeah. little eight-year-old me watching especially that ursula scene but uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that okay, scene. Okay, i have a lot okay. to say about that scene so okay. we'll get there okay. um but yeah so they try to get eric to kiss um ariel ursula does some underhanded stuff long story short eric goes to kiss ariel right at the last sunset he's too late so king triton shows up and is basically like let ariel go and ursula's like well i we could trade if do you want to take her place he does she becomes you know the controller of the ocean and then eric ends up running a ship into her and she dies and then king triton turns uh, ariel into a human again and she and eric live happily ever after that's basically the film um As far as the story, I have many problems. (laughs) Let's hear it. I want to hear these. First of all, I don't think it's like a positive thing to teach young girls. Like, yes, it is okay to leave your family and everything you've ever known for someone that you don't know at all. I could understand if it was a little bit more like her family was really problematic. She got to know Eric after a long period of time. She decided to choose Eric. That's one thing. It's another thing to be 16 years old. The scene where she's like, daddy, I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child. Literally out loud. I went, yes, you are. Like I was watching it last night and said that. And I was like, you're you're 16. You're a child. Oh, she is 16. She's 16. How old is Prince Eric? Let's check the Google. Because <laughs> this, this may get a little creepy. Yeah. Um, he is... Oh, he's only 18. Mm, still 18 and 16. Yeah. <laughs> Eric is 18 in the film, two years older than Ariel, who is 16 at the time. So, anyway... Um... So yeah, that's like my issue number one is I'm like, you do, I don't think it's a good message to leave behind your family and everything you've ever known for someone that you have no idea, like you don't know at all. 
Yeah, running away from I, home, basically, at 16 years right. old. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For for a man that you, like, met and sang a couple songs to, he was unconscious most of the time. Yeah. So that's my first issue. I'm like, mm, don't do that. <laughs> Bad message. Don't like it. Um, message number two. This is the big one. This is the one that I'm like, mm, it makes me real unhappy. <laughs> You never, ever, ever give up your voice for something. Okay. Like, I know in this, it's very literal. Like, it's her literal voice. But I'm like, you, like, people fought for the right to vote because that's them having a voice. That's them being able, you know, freedom of speech, all that. It's a big thing. And so I'm like, you don't give up your voice. For anything, let alone someone you barely know. And from like, again, from like a feminist female perspective, I'm like, no, young girls, you do not give up your ability to speak for a man. No, no, no. I don't care how good looking he is, because Eric is a very well-drawn man. (laughs) But I don't care how good looking he is. I don't care how nice he is. You do not give up your free speech, your ability, your voice mm-hmm. for a man. You don't know. Nope. Yeah. Don't do it. That makes me all kinds of uncomfy. That's my big, big problem with this. That's my biggest problem with the storyline. What What is the actual moral of The Little Mermaid? Because don't Disney films usually have some sort of story or moral or lesson to be learned at the end of the day? Like, what is the one my, for Little Mermaid. My coworker actually asked that. I guess it's just like, I don't know, chase your dreams. Because in so, the real Little Mermaid, Little Mermaid dies. Well, Like in the Hans Christian Andersen that's depressing. story, it's a tragedy. She is dead at the end. So with this, I'm like... Does Eric kill her? No, I think oh. Ursula does. Oh. Or she, I actually think she commits suicide. <laughs> oh, even, even better. Wow. <laughs> um, Let me ask the Google again. Yeah, because the thing is, is like, I know a lot of these Disney films have some sort of moral or point to them, like Beauty and the Beast. I'm going to keep coming back right. to Beauty and Beast. Beauty and Beast has like a point or a moral not to judge others for their appearance or for their looks. That's why the Beast got cursed is because he judged the, the witch and stuff. Um, and and obviously, Bell for being able to see past Beast's appearance and for what he truly was and for the person he was and fall in love with him. But the Little Mermaid, after I watched it again, obviously I know the Little Mermaid. I haven't seen it for many years because I saw it, you know, a few times when I was a kid and whatever. Uh-huh. But even watching it the other day, I was like, "What is the moral to this story?" Because it seems like it's just really like a runaway teen and then she comes back or is forced back or whatever and then yeah. ends up going yeah okay whatever i mean i would just say like yeah whoever's listening join us in the discord because i have no idea what the moral is i think what disney was trying to go for was like look at this young woman who's you know so 
empowered and she makes this decision and she ends up following her dreams and there's a lot of hardship, but she powers through and she ends up getting married to this man that she loves. And I'm just like, I mean, maybe that's what they were trying to do, but I don't know. Um, but anyway, long story short, um, yes, she commits suicide. So the moral of it, there's no dream too big or too small. Aside from the mistakes and challenges she went through, she still achieved her goal and got to explore the human world. That was the moral of the story. I mean, okay, fine. No, that's I a, that's don't a like it. no, that's a terrible moral to this. Yes, story. it is. <laughs> that that there's no excuse for 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 that. And that's and, the thing is, like, she wins at the end, and I'm like, okay, like, oh, so I'm like. So Oh, so at the very end it says, but if you try your best, you can succeed. Try your best at running away from home at a young age just because yes. you want to live a different life or. Yep. No. So that's the thing is I'm People like, end okay, up dead for doing she shit wanted, like, that. like she got what she wanted in the end. And I'm, I'm all for heroes making mistakes, you know, that that's what happens. You know, characters have pitfalls. But I feel like with her, like, she got everything she wanted at the end. And I'm like, to do, to do that, she defied everything her dad said. Which, and I'm not trying to say that parents are always right either. Because I do think, you know, you come to an age where you have to realize you're an adult and make your own decisions. But she's not an adult. She's 16. So she went everything, she went against everything her father said. She also went against what her friends were trying to tell her to do. Sebastian and Flounder were like, hey, maybe don't go talk to the evil sea witch. And she was like, screw it. I'm going to do whatever I want. So she went against family. She went against friends. She, yeah, ran away from home, ran away from everything she ever knew for a person that she honestly didn't really know. She sang a few bars of a song to him. He was unconscious for most of it. <laughs> um, she gave up her ability to speak which we already talked about why I have problems with that. And then, like, at the end, so Ursula's winning, and, like, Ariel made a bad judgment call. Like, granted, Ursula, like, kind of cheated, but at the end of the day, that's Ariel a made a bad judgment yeah, call. That was, a, that was a bad deal. That was a bad deal all the way around. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, give up your voice, and uh, you have to kiss this dude on the third day, and if you don't, you belong to me forever. It's like, mm, I'm, yeah. I think I'm good. I think I'll bad go about all the means. Year old. Yeah. So bad call there. And then when it didn't work out because she was outsmarted by Ursula, she's like, oh, this man that I just met who I got to try to kiss me in three days, I'm just going to send him to kill her. He'll fix everything. <laughs> like, yeah. And then at the end, she ends up getting what she wants. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like one line that bothers me so much. Oh, we're in full ramp mode now. <laughs> One part that bothers me is when it's right after she becomes human and Sebastian's talking to her and he's like, you should have stayed home and not made the deal with the sea witch. And, and he looks at her and she looks sad and he goes, and just be miserable your whole life. All right, fine. I'll help you. And I'm like, she will not be miserable her whole life. She's yeah. 16. She'll get over it. She's hormonal and emotional. Like <laughs> she, she will be fine. Do I think that her dad needs to chill a little bit? Yes. Do I think that he should have given her a chance to experience the human world and like a little bit? 
probably, you know, go and explore, see what's out there. But like, so I, I do think her dad has issues too. Like, that's why I'm saying like, I'm not saying blindly follow her dad. Cause I think her dad's got issues. A little but bit like, of abusive issues. Yeah. Like I think her dad's a little, yeah. I think her dad's a little much. Yeah. Um, but the fact that Sebastian's like, oh, you'll just be miserable your whole life. I'm like, no, she will not. She will get over it. Yeah. When, when, like, <laughs> when the, the dad, like, of her, go ahead. When the dad, like, goes and destroys her whole little area, which I would consider, like, your room, goes yeah. and destroys your room. It's like, wow. The dad just threw a fit and destroyed everything. That's kind of a, abusive. That's like in, falling yeah. on the abusive line. And so that's the thing is I'm like, I'm not. I'm not necessarily encouraging that because I'm like, King Triton had some issues too. I do think he really cared about Ariel. And I think he was just a little bit overprotective. And yeah, I think that whole scene makes me real unhappy. But yeah, just the fact that I'm like, basically they're implying there when Sebastian's like, just be miserable. I'm like, the happiness of her entire life does not hinge on this one man that she barely knows. No. I'm going to jump tracks. Go ahead. <laughs> for a small moment. Did you find it odd that none of Ariel's sisters were married? Her older sisters? Because Ariel's the youngest. That's a good point. That is a very good point. Because they're all just like chilling and they're like. Because when he found out that she was possibly like after a guy, but didn't find out it was a human obviously but for some reason he's thought that she, there, she was chasing a guy uh-huh he was, he was like, like oh ariel's in love over the moon like wanting to meet this guy and all excited and stuff like that and i'm like that's kind of interesting and i can understand like his excitement and then i'm like wait a minute none of the other daughters are married why is looking that? at it they're all they're separated by a year so the oldest is 21 but like Ariel's 16. It's true. No, it's true. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's kind of more of a thinker. Yeah. I just thought about that one. Also, like, why yeah. are her sisters not jealous? <laughs> like, they're all like, no, Ariel's in love. I'm like, you guys aren't a little jealous? I would be. <laughs> I have been. <laughs> My sister got married. I was like, man, this sucks. <laughs> I so mean, I'm like, <laughs> at least one or two of you would be a little jealous. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, sisters get jealous. That's just how it, yeah. that's just how it is. Yeah. 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 No, I get it. I get it. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, what else do you have to rant about? Oh, me? I'm done. <laughs> oh, that's it? That's all you had? I have a lot to rant about, um, and I'm sure as you go, I'll think of more things. I have a lot of good I want to rant about. Okay. But the bad, that pretty much sums it up. Just like the giving up her voice, the whole like inferring that she'll be miserable forever when I'm like, no, she's not. She's 16. You guys, like, she'll get over it. Well, how about I go over some of the analytical errors of the film and then you can, we can come back to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You go, you go ahead. I've, I've cooled off a little bit. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> All 
All right, so close to the beginning of the film, you have the ship that Eric is on, mm-hmm. and uh, this is right after. No, this is this yes. Is the very beginning. This is the the very beginning where With the fathoms er- below song. No, 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 no. So. Errol has gotten back to her little cave thingy and they look up and there's oh. that ship that's passing over and she swims up to the ship and they're lighting like fireworks and stuff off the ship. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you watch, you can see that fireworks are being lit off a certain part of the ship. And then as the ship keeps going, the fireworks being lit stay behind the ship. So they're still being lit behind the ship in the middle of nowhere. There's fireworks being lit off in the middle of nowhere, basically. Oh, I see. I didn't notice so that. So the ship has completely passed, and there's still fireworks being fired off out of the ocean. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, the sea witches are Ursula's little eels. One, mm-hmm. They each have one gold eye and one white eye. Yes. And as you notice a number of times, the gold eye will switch with them. It's supposed to be one has one gold eye and one has one gold eye and that's it. But you'll notice that <laughs> number of, a number of times on each of them, it'll switch between the right eye being gold and the left eye being gold. Well, but one on of them has one, one of them, the left eye is gold and the other one, the right eye is gold. Not always. If you watch it, it switches a lot, a lot. So there'll be times where both of their rights will be gold. There'll be times where both their lefts will be gold. There'll be times. Oh, where I see. Cause yeah. I'm like, how I was like, if you're only looking at one, then I see what you're saying. It switches. I, it switches a lot. So there's times where both like one, like both their right eyes are gold. Both their left eyes are gold. There's times where one's the one right eye is gold and their left eye is gold. Like it kept, cha- it kept changing and it was very inconsistent. I'm like, why even bother to do that if you're not going to keep track of it and keep changing that? Like that just makes zero sense to me. Mm. I yeah. can understand like one or two errors, but it was a lot of times where that kept changing and it bothered it bothered me so bad. So bad. Okay. Um, the part where he they're gonna kiss the girl scene, they go into a little marshy place and the and the you see the fish swim up and swirl around the boat and the boat starts mm-hmm. swirling and they're about to lean in and kiss mm-hmm. and then the boat tips over. And then they're in shallow water. And then they're in shallow water all of a sudden. Yeah. I'm just I like, did notice that. I was watching like, it last night and I was like, wasn't that water really deep? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, that was, that's actually was pretty deep. And then the fact that, I mean, I can understand that Ariel would be able to talk to her little friends, but why would Sebastian be able to communicate with Eric? That was kind of weird. He, couldn't. he did. During the kiss the girl scene, he leaned over to him and said something to him. Oh, he's like, yes. Yeah. He's like, Ariel, her name is Ariel. That's right. He's like, Ariel? Yeah. So that was kind of weird. Okay. <laughs> um, the part where Sebastian is in the kitchen <laughs> and the whole French lamp was on. That scene is great. I'm a big fan of that scene. <laughs> <laughs> that whole scene. <laughs> and they get in, they just get into it, you know? I mean, stereotypical to the nines. Like, wow, that scene was just super bad. But that's okay. Whatever. It's a kid's movie. Whatever. 
Um, he literally destroys the entire kitchen going after Sebastian because at the very end when the maid comes in or the yeah. servant comes in and she's like, Louie, what are you doing? He's like, uh, 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 you can see that the kitchen's destroyed. But the three meals that were going to go out to them were untouched, unharmed, everything. <laughs> but everything else in the entire kitchen's tables, plates, everything is busted and upturned and everything like that. But the three little meals to go out to the to the people, like to Eric and all that, were untouched. That bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> I can get, okay, that's, yep. yep, I can get behind that. Um let's see gosh there's there's so much more um the whole no i mean i think that was pretty much it for now <laughs> i think that was pretty much it there was something of ursula but i can't remember off the top of my head but there was something that she did that i was kind of like oh that was kind of weird i love ursula yeah she's she's I mean, uh, I think I mentioned it a little bit at the beginning. This is not an analytical thing. This is more of like eight-year-old me watching the movie with that scene where she tries to make the deal with Ursula. Like, absolutely it's terrifying. terrifying. You know, it's terrifying. Hundred percent. It's, it's terrifying. And yeah, I, now I know why I'm so like mentally screwed up. You know, from these Disney movies like Scar and like <laughs> Ursula and all these villains that like screw me up when I'm a little kid. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem. This Disney Disney villains. <laughs> this is why I say I like it though is because I I like my villains scary. Okay. And I think that's why so okay, we got we got to get into the good stuff now. All right. So I always like liked Little Mermaid, like it was good. Um but I didn't love it the way I did a lot of other Disney films and then I started watching Disney movies in the order that they came out. And let me tell you, the 80s was a dark time for Disney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the Black Cauldron is honestly one of the worst movies I have ever seen. <laughs> um, like, I finished it and I was like, what in the hell did I just see? Like, I was like, none of these characters are likable. This movie makes no sense. I mean, there's the a pig that's important <laughs> for the first half doesn't even appear in the second half. There's a reason that, why the Black Cauldron is not a ride at Disneyland. <laughs> exactly, because the movie is a freaking dumpster fire. Anyway, so that's the thing is like there were just and even the ones I like, um, are a little rock because I really like Grey Mouse Detective, but it's a little rocky. Oliver and Company I really like, but the animation is not very good, and the ending is really doesn't make a ton of sense. So that's the thing. Well, and they came out, like, my family's going to hate me for this one because they all love this film. Didn't love Robin Hood as much as I wanted to, and I was trying to figure out why as much, and I think part of it is, again, I like my villain scary. I don't like my villains to be comic relief. Yeah, he was kind of a bit of a, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, mm, mm I, I mean, th there's a time and place. I don't, I don't hate when a villain is comic relief, but I just was like, not for like a, for like a Robin Hood story. I'm like, I want 
either a scary sheriff of Nottingham or a scary Prince John. I no, don't want I, comic relief. And I think mostly they were trying to find their place. Disney was still kind of trying to yeah. find their place. And so I think they're still toying around with like, oh, should we make it like super kid friendly or or not? Or I think that's kind of where they're at when they were making those older films. Because they stepped away from fairy tales a little bit too. Mm-hmm. So the last fairy tale story before Little Mermaid was Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Which like, there's a good couple decades there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's the thing. So anyway, I, I, I had to slog through like Disney's Dark Ages. And when you have to watch like eight movies that are just not great, like they weren't, most of them weren't bad. They just weren't that great either. I hit Little Mermaid and it was like a breath of fresh air. <laughs> like the minute it started, I was like, ooh. I don't know. The animation Mal- is much prettier. Maleficent's pretty terrifying. I think I've already shared this story before. I but- love Maleficent. <laughs> so when I saw that cartoon and she turned into the dragon and was all terrifying and shit like that. So we went to Disneyland and I was a, a young little tot probably like five or six or something like that. Mm-hmm. They would still do the parade. I don't know if they do it now or not. I think they do it every They do the, the parade. Yeah. Um, I, but I think they stopped for a while or something. Anyway, whatever. They were doing the night parade, and the dragon came out with the Maleficent Queen, and she was there too. Like They had the dragon up there, and then they had the, like the Maleficent Queen and all that stuff. I hid behind my mom because she is so frightening. Like, I'm like, no. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I love it. So, Ursula, I was like, so anyway, so yeah, Little Mermaid, Breath of Fresh Air, even from the beginning, like from the very beginning, I start watching it and I'm like, this animation is so much better than what we've had. Like, I was like, this is really, it's, I was like, this animation is crisp. It's clear. It's not fuzzy. Like, this is so nice. Um, the way they've in like <laughs> my brother we'll have him as a guest for one of these he like worships the ground that this one animator walks on his name is glenn keen and he animated he was the animator for ariel okay so like every just yeah everything done underwater like how they made it look like it was underwater and how things would move in the water like i'm just like that is incredibly impressive and they made it look so dang good after, again, the decades where I'm like, this animation is subpar. What the crap happened? Mm-hmm. Like, Sleeping Beauty was beautiful. What is this nonsense that's in the Aristocats? Um, budgeting. Budgeting, <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just like, so animation, first of all, unreal. Unreal. Like, night and day from, watch like a, just pick any, pick any three Disney movies from the seventies and eighties, watch those three and then watch little mermaid night and day night. And day. It like, it's so much prettier. It just looks so much better. And then the villain, you have not had a terrible, like a really terrifying villain in a hot minute. They tried a couple times. <laughs> like, I feel like they tried with, um, Great Mouse Detective, they tried with Oliver and Company, but like, okay, you had a really good villain with Black Cauldron. That's the one redeeming quality of the Black Cauldron. Okay. Um, 
But yeah, so I'm like, you hadn't had a really, really quality villain in a while. And Ursula was so good. So good. The way they even introduced her, because I had seen this movie, obviously, several times as a kid. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think about this as much because you, it just gets so ingrained in your head. But like the int- I wish I could like watch it for the first time because the introduction of Ursula is so cool because you barely meet her. And she has a very short scene. It's right at the very beginning. But she's basically like, yes, I've been banished from the palace, wasting away into almost nothing. You know, she's like, I I need to figure out a way to get back. Like, the introduction they just do for her is, like, just enough that you feel like you get an in. You know this is, like, kind of a revenge story. You know it's a power-hungry thing. You know she has a lot of powers. And it's just, yeah, it, it's just enough to keep you interested in her without giving me, like, a long, drawn-out sob story. Right. Which I feel like is just, like, perfect. Um, I was going to, yeah, I'll talk about Poor Unfortunate Souls when I go through the music because that the whole scene is so good. <laughs> Speaking of the music scenes, like, uh, especially, like, Under the Sea... Yeah. So, <laughs> so with Under the Sea, <laughs> there's like this multitude of fish that are just kind of hanging out, just waiting to just burst into song, like whenever the time is appropriate. Yes, this is a musical, Brett. That's what happens in musicals. <laughs> I mean, there's like nothing around. And then all of a sudden, like, Sebastian's was like, well, let me sing you a song. And all of a sudden, boom, all these fish like appear and they just <laughs> bust into song and they're doing yep. this whole thing and it's all done. And and then they just leave right after. And you're just like, oh, wow, that was that was a lot of pizzazz for, <laughs> for not a whole lot of nothing, you know, because she was gone at the end. Yeah. So, yeah. Somebody got to nail that girl's fins to the floor. <laughs> yeah. So I just, that just, just fish just constantly just there. And yeah. the whole idea behind Ursula, I'm still not quite sure because there's a lot of mermaids and mermen, but there's no like octopus half people swimming around. And the ones that are octopuses are like full octopuses because they play like, the bass or whatever and the other mm-hmm. musicals. So I'm just like, where did she come from? I don't know, but she's scary and that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is true. She yeah, you make scary. a good point though. You're like, how does this work? Cause in some deleted scenes and stuff, like in some early concepts, she was meant to be Triton's sister. Okay. See, and that would have yeah. made, that would have made more sense. But I guess but a black, but I guess a alike. black octopus is more scary. Yeah. Maybe they did like. I a mean, test she's group. a sea witch. Maybe she did that like to herself. Oh, by the way, I don't like my fins, and then I want legs. But oops, I screwed up, and now I have tentacles. Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> she's a sea witch. She she can do a lot of things. Maybe she was like, I don't know. This is better. I need. This is more convenient. I mean, I wish I had eight arms. Yeah. Anyway, the music. Anyway. The music. <laughs> um. 
also just a side note before we get into the music because i think this is part of the music and i find it very funny the part at the beginning when they're introducing triton and there's like a big fan flare fanfare and then they're like sebastian and the kazoo comes in it's like yeah it makes me laugh every time he lights the chandelier yeah because i'm just saying triton gets all these trumpets and this big orchestra what does sebastian get he gets a kazoo yeah his fanfare is done with a kazoo (laughs) yep yep the whole singing underwater and talking underwater just I, i understand it's a cartoon but still like you wouldn't be able to hear any of that. None of the music, none of the singing, none of the talking. I mean, they wouldn't be able to breathe either, but they're a mermaid. They they can breathe underwater. But they need gills to breathe. So if they can breathe, then they would be able to sing in here too. Oh, they didn't animate gills on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they kind of made a little bit of that point when they turned Ariel into a human that she was a human and she couldn't breathe in the water anymore, but yeah. they really didn't animate the gills and stuff. Yeah. On them. Anyway, going back to the music. <laughs> Actually, you know, I had to uh, just real quick. I had to go back yeah. and rewatch that point um, where Ursula gave her legs because I'm like, wait, it, it just giving her legs doesn't necessarily mean that she's human. And I had to go back and watch it and like turn her human. I'm like, oh, okay, so she said she was going to turn her into human because for some reason I thought she just said, oh, I'm just going to give you legs. Give you legs. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. But anyway, yes, music. So the music. <laughs> the music in general, same thing. Disney hadn't really done anything like crazy musical in a hot minute. They made some attempt. There's a there's like a song in, or no, two songs in Great Mouse Detective. One is the villain song that's not that great, and the other is like that, like, strip, that awkward stripper scene. Not stripper scene, but the awkward, like, you know what I'm talking about. It's super weird. Like, I remember I watched it a few years ago, and I was like, um, Disney, where were we going with this? They're still trying. They're still trying to find themselves. Yeah. Um. And then there was a couple of like good songs in Oliver and Company, but same thing. It wasn't like terribly consistent, and they weren't like, um, like stunningly amazing like ensemble numbers the way some of these were. Like Under the Sea and Kiss the Girl, especially Under the Sea, is just like so beautiful to watch like i feel like we've seen it so many times that it like lost its flavor a little bit but like i tried to watch it as though i was like okay if i was seeing this for the first time like it's so good like the just the colors and the way the Mm -hmm. they animated different things like under the sea is amazing kiss the girl is a lot of fun um i think part of your world is like probably in my top five favorite disney like song sequences okay i like my brother and i will talk about that scene because my brother freaks out about the animation because he's an animation major but we've talked about that scene and just like it is so so good want to think of my bob i've got 20 i've got 20 (laughs) Like, yeah, just the way they cast, like, a new light on different human things that she's enchanted with. Just the... Well, and that, that song kind of started what's called, like, the Disney... I'm doing air quotes. I want songs. So, like, in Belle, it's the... I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. Moana has one. You know, Entangled, it's When Will My Life Begin. 
with Mulan, it's reflection. Like that kind of started a trend where these Disney heroines sing a song about what they're longing for. And so that kind of started it, which is also kind of cool. But I just feel like everything, like everything really comes together in that scene. I feel like that scene kind of epitomizes like just peak Disney mm-hmm. because you have like the singing is so good and you can hear like, even though logically in my head, I'm like, Ariel, you're 16. You need to calm down. Like you can hear the longing and the pain in her voice. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like there, that's, that's such good voice acting like that. I'm actually having a like an emotional response to this. Like you can tell that this is something she really cares deeply about. And I think that that's so impactful mm-hmm. and yeah, the animation is so pretty. You've got a little bit of humor in there with, you know, with Sebastian. I think the way they kind of did flounder in that whole scene is really cool too. him trying to be like that supportive friend who really cares, you know, he really cares about his friend and that she's hurting. Um, and then, yeah, just the music and the and the lyrics are also just so, yeah, just, I don't know, really, really pretty and really, like I said, I just feel like when a scene can evoke, like, a strong emotional response for me, that's mm-hmm. when I'm like, ooh, that was done well. And that's how I feel about Part of Your World. you have anything you want to add, or can I just keep going? Just keep going. I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to add as far as, like, the musical numbers. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm on a roll now. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go for it. Um, the other one I really, really like is Poor Unfortunate Souls. Poor Unfortunate Souls. In pain, in need. Like, it's just, it's so, I remember I watched some kind of, like, honest trailer or something about it. And it was like, oh, yeah, this is the song in the soundtrack that gets skipped. And I'm like, hold up. Who is skipping this song? <laughs> I listen to it every time. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I feel like it does such a good job of, again, summing up who Ursula is, where they didn't need to bog us down with unnecessary details, but it kind of shows you like, oh, she's a sea witch. She has lots of power. She has magic. She's able to do things. Um, she lives in this, you know, she has this weird banishment thing going on. She has this garden of creepy seaweed. Now I know is seaweed. Um... <laughs> You know, her her two eels are creepy. Her little henchmen. Like, that scene, same way. It, I feel like it's almost like the anti-part of your world. It evokes an emotional response that, that's completely opposite what part of your world is. Part of your world is like that yearning, the pain, and un, er, poor unfortunate souls. I'm like, this is terrifying. Everything about Ursula, what she's doing, how she's going about it. Like, you can tell you're like, this is a master at work. She's a master manipulator. She knows what she's doing. You have a weird look on your face again, Brett. Um, I just looked up the actress that played Ursula, and mm-hmm. good God, does she have a resume. Going clear back yeah. to, like, the 19, 1950s. Yeah. 1948 is when she when she yeah. started and i think that's very underrated a lot a whole lot of people knew who played ursula and man she has been in a lot of stuff and this looks like it's mostly musicals and broadway stuff yes she yes she's she's a broadway she's a broadway legend um yeah and i i don't know i i feel like you can tell like that whole sequence is just so good it's terrifying the part where she puts the pressure on there's a couple parts that i feel like are just like prime 
top-notch parts. It's when she's, it's right when she, before she gets Ariel to sign. And she's like, you know, if you want to cross the bridge, my sweet, you've got to pay the toll. It's very quick. It's quippy. She's putting the pressure. Like, you can see, manip- like, the manipulation at its finest. You know, she leans over to her eels and she's like, I've got her, boys. The boss is on a roll. Like, it's just that part I feel like is is scary. She's building up the tension. She's building up the pressure. You as the audience can see it. And then initially right afterwards, right before she takes the voice, when she lifts her hands and those green, like, claws come up, mm-hmm. that also, I'm just like, that animation looks so good and that is so scary. <laughs> Like, I remember as a kid when Ursula says, now sing, you're just like, you are creepy. You're scary. You're terrifying. And again, that's that's how I like my villains. I like as an adult to be like, that is scary. That is creepy. Like, I like my villains scary. And I feel like Disney didn't really bring that much for the decade or two before Little Mermaid. And I'm so glad that that kind of kicked off another trend. You look like you have something you want to say. No, no, I, oh. I am, I am, I am listening. Um, I, I mean, I, yeah, really, I, I really didn't analyze the songs because I'm not really much of a song guy. Yeah. I mean, I would and sing I'm a them. Theater kid, like I, so I. Well, I mean, I'm a drama kid, kid, but I'm not like. You know. Yeah. Um. I mean, mostly the song that I would sing as a kid after watching the movie was obviously the French guy, like, Les Poissons, Les Poissons, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, just that was that was it. But I didn't sing. Scene. I didn't sing the other other songs as a kid because, you know, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I really didn't analyze, like, a lot of the songs and stuff in, in this film, but I know that a lot of them were pretty, uh, what's the best way to say it? Mm, monumental for Disney because yeah. a lot of them were like huge hits, like Under the Sea, like was an instant classic and Kiss the Girl and all that, you know? And, and then you had the other Disney films that started coming out, like Aladdin and all that, and they did songs in those films and those were becoming instant classics. So, I mean, Little Mermaid, like you said, was like the first animated film of the 80s to really go into like a lot of songs throughout the film and actually be like um, an animated musical. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, And that's exactly it. Well, because Little Mermaid won, it won two Oscars. It won Best Original Score and Best Original Song for... I'm looking. Under the Sea? Uh, Best Musical Original Song, Under the Sea, and Best yeah. Musical Original Score. Uh, yep. And also Best Original Song, for Kiss the Girl. It was nominated for for Kiss the Girl, but it won for Under the Sea, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So it won Under the Sea. It was nominated for Kiss the Girl. And, like, same thing happened with Beauty and the Beast. It won Best Original Score, and there were, like, four or three or four songs that were nominated for Best Original Song, and it won for Beauty and the Beast. So, I mean, that's the thing, too, is it's just, like... The Little Mermaid started what is called the Disney Renaissance, and that's basically where Disney started hitting home runs again after a one to two decades of just really 
struggling. So not only did it win an Oscar for Under the Sea, it also won a Golden Globe for Under the Sea. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. That's that's the thing is like this started, I mean, animated movies. And a Grammy? And it won a Grammy. Oh, yeah, it won a Grammy too. Beauty and the Beast, I think, won one or two Grammys as well. So that's the thing. This like this put Disney on the map again. Yeah. Like after, I mean, the Black Cauldron almost put Disney out of business. Then they limped <laughs> their way. It did. I'm not kidding. Like that's not my opinion, Brett. The Black Cauldron almost single-handedly put Disney out of business. Oh, so good. And then they like limped their way with Great Mouse Detective and Oliver and Company, but it didn't like they didn't really start garnering attention again until little mermaid and the little mermaid came out and it was like oh shoot disney disney's doing some stuff disney's bringing it and you kind of see that and we'll do a lot of more a lot more in the disney renaissance because i love talking about disney renaissance films a lot of more uh, huh a lot of more you know what brett it's a friday <laughs> and i'm tired i kind of like a lot of more yeah, all right. Anyway, we'll do a lot of more <laughs> <laughs> Disney movies from the Disney Renaissance because I love talking about them. Um, but yeah, that and that's so that's I guess that's where I am with Little Mermaid is I'm like this put Disney on the map again. You know, it, it, it really did. And honestly, I was like I said, I was at a very young age when Disney did this whole thing up. So this is kind of how I knew disney from a child because i didn't really know i mean maybe some of the other films like uh robin hood and other stuff i kind of saw as a kid but i mean this was the first actual new film that came out while i was a child and really kind of put disney like into my mind like oh disney this is how disney yeah. films are sort of thing so yeah and the disney runs on same for me like i was i wasn't born yet when little Mermaid came out <laughs> but i grew up with yeah with the disney renaissance and so i would like part of this is probably nostalgia but like i said i just i didn't give little mermaid enough credit until a handful of months ago when i saw it watching all the disney films and i it, it like it finally clicked for me i was like oh well that's this that's because you kids are ungrateful for what <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> For people like me who grew up with it and who who went to the theater to watch these movies brand new, we appreciate what we had. And I even I even remember going to the theater to to watch this, as I mentioned earlier mm -hmm. in the podcast. And we're not talking like the theaters that they have nowadays, because the theaters they have nowadays are freaking awesome. We're talking one of these like ghetto like dome theaters, like from the nineteen fifties, or just like you know they don't clean up the theaters. The seats are like really weird, like half foldy seats and the floor mm -hmm. is 1000% always sticky. And <laughs> that's just the theater. That's just what it was. And it was a tiny screen up there and the theater would sit like what a hundred people or something like that. Maybe <laughs> like that was, <laughs> that was my theater experience when I was a child. Now they're, top notch you know and they sit like a yeah. thousand people and the chairs like recline and vibrate and heat and cool and all this bs and they bring in your popcorn whatever <laughs> um 
<laughs> but that was a treat because going out yeah. to see that movie and see that on the film and even for as terrible of a theater as it was back then that animation like you said before was way ahead of its time and seeing that as a disney film was awesome i mean i remember as a kid watching this in the theater just being so excited and seeing all those scenes and all those colors i'm like this is super freaking cool so yeah, yeah i mean i can appreciate what i'm saying it. like i I don't even remember the first time watching Little Mermaid because it was so ingrained into my childhood. Like it, I don't remember seeing it. I didn't see it in theaters and I don't remember the first time watching it because it was just always there. So that's what I'm saying. Like I, you're right. I didn't appreciate it until I had to slog through like the, <laughs> what Disney churned out in the eighties. And then all of a sudden I watched it and I was like, it, yeah, it, it, it felt as close as I could get to watching it for the first time because I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. Yeah. Like this is, from a filmmaking standpoint, this movie is a work of art. Like it is, it is a beautifully crafted piece of art. It is a masterpiece. Yeah. Even though I had a series of issues that we'll not go into on this podcast because they are rated R, but yes, other than that, it was awesome. Yeah. So like, did it follow the original storyline? No. Do I have problems with the story? Yes. But just as a piece, again, as a filmmaker, looking at another piece of art, in my opinion, this movie is, yeah, it's a masterpiece. So, I mean, regardless of, it's hard because I do feel like I need to take into account the story, but I, I honestly am going to give this quite a high rating just because of how blown away I was by what it what it did for Disney and what it did you know for the Disney Renaissance and just how yeah just what it did how like and well and I, I said this I think with Snow White is I look at historical context of the film and so for me the historical context of this puts it I have to give credit where credit is due so um, this one I actually I give an eighty eight okay yeah okay. solid solid eighty eight it's not quite 90s quality for me and if i mean for those of you who've been listening and brett knows there are rare rare films i give above 90 um but yeah this one 88 for me and i'm i'm very confident about that about that uh score um i can say i'm kind of in the same boat there were some things that bothered me about the story there are some things that bothered me about like technical analytical type issues that kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, but as far as like what the movie was and how it has kind of changed the way the animation is done and what, ha what it has done for Disney, I'm honestly going to give this like an 80. So really that's a little higher than I expected. Um, it still was pretty good. Yes. The story is like a little weird if you really yeah. think about it. But so is Lion King's story, but whatever. We'll have to talk about Lion King. <laughs> I think Lion King is one of the most overrated movies of all time. I mean. People are going to come after me with pitchforks for that statement. but bro Brothers and sisters that are falling in love with each other. Yeah, that's kind of weird. But anyway. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, for what, what it really was and for what it started and for what it achieved, I think Little Mermaid was a pretty monumental type film. I agree. I totally agree. So, cool. yeah. 
Well, after this, we've had a, we've had a few weeks of fun. We did we did Knives Out and Logan Lucky, and then this one, our bright and shiny Disney podcast. So uh, next week we're going to be doing a horror film. Yeah, and we're still kind of deciding on which horror film to do. Yes, we have an idea for one, but it will all matter if I can actually hack it or not. And if I can't, then we'll do a different one. Um, I think I can handle it. We'll see, though. Should we do uh, Murder on the Orient? I haven't seen that one yet. <gasps> what? And the new one's coming out, too. That's on the night. It's out. Yeah, and you haven't seen the first one? It's no. pretty good. It's pretty good. That's what I've heard. And it's not going. Well, and I have to see Death on the Nile eventually because my queen, Gal Gadot, is in it. <laughs> and puppies the don't love die. love of my life. It. Animals don't die on it. It's not gory. It's not I really mean, a horror movie. Try Antlers. Would you rather do Murder Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's, let's have you try Antlers. And if you can't okay. do it, we'll fall back onto Murder on the Orient. Okay, so there you guys go for the viewers. I'm going to try to watch the movie Antlers that came out a few months ago. So if you want to prep, you can watch that one. More than a few um, months ago. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess it didn't come out in October. Five months. That's a few still. <laughs> That's a few and then some. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so I'm going to try Antlers. If I can't hack it, um, we'll do Murder on the Orient Express. So that gives you guys some... Some things to look forward to, some some homework if you want to, some movies to watch to prep for next time. Yeah, so watch them both. Just watch them both, guys. We'll we'll probably do both eventually. Like if we if we don't do Murder on the Orient this time, we'll probably do it in a couple weeks. Well, but if we don't do Antlers, then we probably won't do Antlers because that's true. I just I'm I'm and not that, overly <laughs> sensitive with movies, but I am sensitive in some areas, so I'm gonna try it. I make no promises. I mean, yeah. 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 If we don't do antlers this time, you're right. We probably won't do it because I will not be in a position where I'm able to watch it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that sums it up. We'll talk to you guys next time. All right. See you guys.